looked and the thing we're supposed to be mad about today it's uh it's rooms did mm, i hear <laughs> excellent did i hear we're supposed to be mad that writers have rooms in which they write that's the thing that you I... mean we're supposed to be mad that people who are professionals have offices yeah though that seems to be and i guess this comes from um someone i guess jk rowling sent a tweet and first of all before we even discuss this in any way shape or form I resent the internet very deeply for making me get on this program and defend J.K. Rowling for things. I don't like doing that. My favorite thing I... is being upset at J.K. Yeah, Rowling. No, it's so... on, honestly when we're like sitting around and it's like time to like get some engagement online. Like what did like, J.K. What... do today? <laughs> like first thing I do is just go check Joe's page. She's got something <laughs> for me. <laughs> anyway, um, today the reason though that people have decided to be mad at her. Um, is that she has a writing room. Mm. And someone, I guess, you know, responded to her and said that they found that to be incredibly... Pretentious. Uh, pretentious mm. and terrible, which I guess she responded to in some way. And then, obviously, that set everybody off because then we had to have this big argument over whether or not it was pretentious for J.K. Rowling, who is... A professional writer. A, one, a professional writer. Two, many times over, a millionaire. Um... To have a room have specifically <laughs> where she writes. It's just like, even on, Dad people. got mad. Oh yeah, Dad got real mad. And Dad and you... is if, if you're not if you're not aware, uh, listeners, Dad is Stephen King. Yeah, no, he um... Steve, we love you. Come on the show. Well, so, <laughs> well, so I go, I I logged on, and every single writer in the feed and like the print run account follows basically like only writer people, right? And so. It's every single person is like getting there. Well, I write in a room joke off. It's like everyone is just it's like room, 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 room. And you're tearing me apart, <laughs> Lisa. Like I couldn't figure out what like why people were mad at like the concept of a writing room. And then so <laughs> suddenly I like without knowing the original like antecedent, like I hit Stephen King and he's like, if you think having a writing room is pretentious, then go fuck yourself. And I'm <laughs> like, that's what he said. Those are his words. And it was like Stephen King usually tweets like pictures of his corgi mm. or like some like really dumb like Donald Trump pun. Like he uh, those are like his two modes. That's true. And his so, owns are very political. Yeah, it's like focused. it's like if you're like dad in an easy chair, like getting off his political owns. Um, <laughs> but it's but to, no, he was he was fired up. He was fired up about having a writing room. And it's just like my word to people as they go about their online lives, um, is that not to get less mad. Obviously, for me, it's best if everyone is as mad as possible all the time. That's that's the lifeblood of this show, and I want that to encourage that. But get mad at a real thing. Hmm. There's plenty we can be Do you know what this, this, has, this has reminded me of? So, like, essentially what people are getting mad at uh-huh. is people who are professionals having offices, right? <laughs> yeah. Which speaks to me very much of, like, Uber coming up with the idea of the bus or like whoever coming up with the idea of a library, you know, like people coming up with these ideas that are like very, very common, but just in a different context, everybody gets really mad about them. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, come on. 
We we can do a little better with our outrage. And I was disappointed because like, people were fired up. They were mad. And I just wanted it. Like, and I saw that they were mad maybe at J.K. Rowling. So I was like, all right, this I'm is going to be good. I'm so, I was so ready to be upset about something. And it turned out to be something that she is entirely within her rights to have. Is it and pretentious that we have a room specifically for podcasting? Like, everybody always says that it? we sound so good. Where else are you going to podcast? I, I mean, know that some people, like, do it in a closet or something. It is like, it there's room. two of us, and it is, like, 15 degrees outside. Like, yeah. we, where else are we going to podcast? Like, yeah. you won't fit in my closet. Yeah, the scandal of the year, Print Run records from a four-walled room. Yeah, um, I mean, my house was built in 1923. Like, we do not have <laughs> walk-in closets. It's not a thing. Anyway. anyway. Um, so, Welcome. To this episode of Print Run. It's another week of books. It's another week of books. Um, my name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, at long last, we've been off a little while, is Laura Zatz. Say I hello, am Laura. so happy to be here. I have a voice again. Yeah. I That's am good. I am not medicated anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like a regular human being. So we were we were gone for a few weeks first for um the holiday first for the holiday and we had we were going to record one day and we had something come up and then you got sick yeah and i so, had hugged too many children yeah. at my uh in-laws thanksgiving there were like six children which was probably like three too many, quite honestly, for my immune system. As always, the children yeah. are not the future but will instead be the death of us. Um <laughs> but you know, it's been a few weeks, and I would say that that does leave me enthused about this episode because we are going to be breaking down all of the various kerfuffles and scandals that we there have. have been a lot. Like, people have been <laughs> just, busy. And it's like, I, we said this online, too, but, like, anytime something – I know that something has happened, uh, like, in the writing world in a way that is, like, deeply stupid or, like, problematic – or in some way like that, when I log on and our notifications are just, like, loaded with people being like, hey, look at this dumb thing. And I like that that's our brand. I like that people come to us to respond to the dumb thing that happened. I like that people think that they have not yet had the full experience of a dumb internet experience until they (laughs) have had... They have heard us talk about so it. So the animatronic bird, like a Chuck E. Cheese monster, like, comes <laughs> in and like. But anyway, we're going to be talking about all those things um, today, which is a delight to me personally. Um, but before we get to that, how about the basic rundown? Yeah. So it is the beginning of December. Uh, no, 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 if you no, no, no. are. No, it is not. It is November. For this free episode, <laughs> it is December. Uh, which means that it is, among many things, uh, Decembo, which, right. which we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. But more importantly, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you might have noticed that we didn't put out any special episodes in November. We put out one. Uh, I got really sick and didn't edit it. We p- Oops. Oh. Yeah, so we haven't put out any, but guess what? <laughs> They're going up today. Excellent. They're going up today Excellent. because your beautiful uh, mixing and mastering engineer uh, basically could only do like short naps and watching like shitty rom coms on Netflix mm-hmm. for literally a week and a half. Yeah. So um, those are coming for you. Uh, And as Penance, our special third episode is really, really fun. We're actually reading, or I should say Eric is reading, all of the bad, (laughs) the entries for the bad sex awards this year. Uh, And I rank what color his face gets from normal Eric to tomato. 
Uh, it's a five-point scale. It was harrowing um, yeah. reading through those entries. The ones were really bad. Um, but I think we did turn in a nice craft episode out of it. We sure did. End. Like, we really steered that bus away from the... You know, away from the danger. We we really come through when when the D is there. Um, <laughs> so definitely, yeah. if you're not yet a Patreon member, uh, this might be your moment because man, is that a fun episode? Yeah. Um, so you can go on to Patreon.com and find Print Run Podcast. We're there, and if you have a you know, if you're if you want the less blue episodes, mm-hmm. uh, we will have a query and a first page show. Those are also on Patreon. Head on over, and if you want us to critique your your first page or your uh, query, send them to us. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And there will be a full slate of December episodes still to come. Like Actually, will, in December. Yeah, no, like it will. This we are catching up. We're not cutting you out of the November stuff. So, anyway. Um, we should get going on the many items of the last couple weeks. Um, and So we covered one scandal. <laughs> I guess you can't even... Go- I wish it was a scandal. That's the problem, is I wish that there was a real reason to be mad at J.K. Rowling, but I don't have one today. Mm. Um, but we do have one to be mad. Um, this was pitched to me originally as a clash between YA Twitter and romance Twitter. Oh, yeah. I pitched it like that. Yeah. Um, so if you are a regular res- listener of Print Run... Uh, you will know that many times we talk about the YA community and the romance community separately, like fighting each <laughs> other. Lots of infighting uh-huh. with romance. You might remember Cockygate when uh-huh. a writer tried to um, copyright the word cocky mm-hmm. as use uh, for romance novels. Yeah. And then in YA, um, usually there's like super racist trash fires. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> I work in both of these genres, so clearly I've made excellent life decisions. Um, so, these these two genres, these two categories, very oftentimes stay in their own lanes, right? They kind of eat themselves, like that snake that's just kind of like a demilitarized zone between them, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, they're yeah. they're never the twain shall meet, right? Right. Even though the bulk of most of them are read by 40-year-old white women. So, mm. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, you'd think they would cross over more. But um, this, or I guess I should say last week, the bridge was crossed. <laughs> the bridge was crossed. Um, we have mm. talked some about Tomi Adeyemi, who is a debut author, probably. I think she when, when the book came out, she was 24 years old. She might be still 24 or 25. I don't know when her birthday is, mm-hmm. um, but essentially she wrote Children of Blood and Bone, which is this high fantasy um, African style book about like witches and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Tomi in in a lot of ways this week showed that she is a young writer. Specifically, she found a book called Of Blood and Bone. And she posted a picture of the cover and said uh, to her, like, millions of followers. I don't actually know how many followers she had. That's not something I looked up. But, like, suffice it to say, she spent 25 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, Like, Jimmy Fallon is reading her book on, like, his book club. Like, it's a big deal, right? Like, she's a big deal. She found this book called Of Blood and Bone and posted a picture of her book and a picture of that book saying something along the lines of like she wishes that other writers 
didn't just try to like basically plagiarize from her and try to capitalize off her success. Well, one thing that uh, potentially Tomi didn't quite realize is that the book that she uh, posted a picture of was by Nora Roberts. Mm-hmm. Nora Roberts, all of you who are thinking, like, even if you don't read romance, you're like, is she a romance author? Like, I think I know that name. You definitely know that name. Nora Roberts has been around for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Nora Ro- Roberts has written over 200 books. <laughs> and Nora Roberts has spent over a thousand weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm seeing here she is um, ranked um, top 50 in Forbes' 2018 list of America's richest self-made women. Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. So Nora is um, very famously reclusive, right? She doesn't spend time online. She doesn't really go a lot of places. She's just like, I mean, how else would you write 20 books in or 200 books in 30 years? Right. Like that math doesn't really make sense. Um, And so basically what happened is Tomi's fans are very, very um, logged on. Yeah. And a lot of them, yeah, I do, I do too. (laughs) And they very much came for Nora, Mm -hmm. right? And Nora like didn't, she was totally blindsided, didn't know about this book, hadn't read it, like didn't know about this author, didn't know what was going on. Um, But essentially, Nora, as a you know middle aged woman is wont to do got very like mom about this yes, she very, got yeah yeah she wrote this kind of like she was she was attacked in all fronts and she wrote this like very scathing blog post which didn't mention Tommy by name but essentially talked about how unprofessional this was and about how like you can't copyright a goddamn title that's like and the basic like of it, yeah. you know, and it, which is like a smaller point. Also, a smaller point was that her book was sold before Tommy's book was. Um, <laughs> but like basically, just saying that like it was very rude for a writer to sick her fans on another writer without first trying to go to this to to go to that writer. Right? Okay, so this is what I want to get into with you about this mm-hmm. because obviously we've established. I mean, it's very clear. That one party here is in the wrong, one party here is in the right, um, one party has, you know, they're both, you know, famous in their own right. But yeah, well, one I wouldn't clout. say it's wrong and right. It's more of like, Tommy just like should have kept it on the DL. Well, that's probably so, so. That was gonna be my thing. Is let's just say for a second that you you are I don't know you're sitting around in your office, mm-hmm. you're going about your business, mm-hmm. and you get an email, you get a text message, you get some sort of form of communication yeah. that says, hey, your author, <laughs> your author is online making accusations that this other best-selling author has plagiarized a title. Um, what would you say your reaction to that? So here's what I would have done. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's a kind of two-parter. <laughs> Part number one... Is immediately be mortified. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of shame crying that happens to start this process. Oh, yeah. yeah that's definitely yeah. step number one. Yeah. Um, step number two is getting my author on the phone and telling them under no uncertain terms that no, nobody stole your title. Number two, you can't come after a romance queen like that. Did you see what they did to the cocky woman? <laughs> and also delete the tweet. Yeah. 
So Tommy has not deleted the tweet. Tweet's tweet. still up. Which tweet. I which I also respect. Tweet, <laughs> <laughs> tweet is still up. Tweet is still up, even even though a lot of people are looking at Nora Roberts as like she came out on top, right? But yeah. but my favorite part of all of this, like as as an agent, I'm just like for the love of God, just delete the tweet, like f- delete the tweet. You were wrong. Like get it out of it. Like delete all evidence, right? Like put it in a burn bag, light it up, right? Um, but my favorite part about all of this is that Nora Roberts, after 30 years in the romance community, has a lot of very famous romance writer friends, okay? Yeah. Um, my favorite of which is Miss Beverly Jenkins, uh-huh. uh, who is, you know, kind of almost just about on the same level as Nora Roberts, has been around for over 30 years, has written hundreds of books, is hugely successful, is on, you know, a lot of levels also a household name. Sure. Um. Miss Bev is also an older black woman. And so she saw basically like a youngster, like brand new. This is your first New York Times bestseller list kind of action and was like, oh, honey, no. And kind of jumped into the fray. Right. As only Miss Bev can with a lot of like, like good cracks and like Mm -hmm. a lot of laughter and all that. Um, And... Then a bunch of Tommy's fans who clearly uh, don't read romance, nor do they operate Google.com, uh, <laughs> got really mad at Bev. And one of Tommy's fans accused Miss Beverly Jenkins, the mm. queen, mm. Uh, of showing her white privilege. This is a black woman we're talking this about. Is, make sure. This is like if you were to go to like the romance community and be like, name me the most important black romance writer to ever have existed. 99% of them would say Beverly Jenkins. Well, so, so we're accusing. <laughs> we're, obviously, we get to this point where we are. Like this, these things just cycle out of control in such oh, a strange way. Because and everybody like, just like wants to attack, and none of them want to use Google. Well, it's just like I mean, if we're at the point now in you know, you know, the capital D discourse, where you know, stage two of the internet fight is accusing a not only a black woman but a ver- but a very famous one that you could easily look up, black woman, um, of of having like white privilege. Like it just it just gets. <laughs> It just it's just so clear how just unhinged all this stuff is. Like we talk about these things and we have these talking points and everyone has their favorite little like liberal barbs they can like throw at each other every time they're ready to throw down. You know, they've got like their talking points about like the way to, you know, cancel someone or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, man, we've just lost all ability to just like work through something with any sort of critical thinking yeah. or reading or even like a minute of actual thought. And on the one hand, on the one hand, it's incredibly good and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a podcast devoted to it. But on the other, it is it is bad. Like this stuff, this all stuff this, shouldn't happen. All and of this could have been avoided <laughs> by one, Tommy, like doing a Google search of who Nora Roberts is. Number two, Tommy going to her agent or editor or something and being like, what is happening? Well, so that's the... What is this? That's the real part Yeah. of it. I don't understand. Let's say that you really thought that this was happening to you. Yeah. And someone plagiarized. Your first move 
isn't it to talk to your people? You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that kind of, like, of all of this stuff, of every single bit of this situation that strikes me as, like, silly and ridiculous. Um, the, I always check with my representation the bit that before I, don't I post. The bit that I... <laughs> I always check with either you or my soon-to-be dog. Yeah, exactly. The bit that I don't understand is why, if you're going to throw something like that around, even if you were 100% sure you were in the right, wouldn't you, like, prepare for whatever kind of blowback was about? Like, I just, it seems awfully careless to me. Well, and, I think it's a very, like, new writer kind of thing. Like, even, I think it's <clears> like this writer has spent half of a year being totally, like, her life has completely changed and she's been totally overwhelmed with the way the world has responded to her work. And I think it becomes really easy to, like, view that success, especially as a young black woman. Like, it becomes very easy to view that success as something to be protected. Sure. You know, it's it's something very much that needs to be guarded. And I, and I can see, like, coming at something like this from a very defensive position. But, like, as we've talked about on Print Run before, like this defensive position actually had zero merit at any point whatsoever. Um, But like, it's understandable, but like really just like, that's what your agents are for, man. That is. So if there is like a, you know, this is a show that likes to dish out publishing and writing advice. If there is a tip in here somewhere, a piece of advice for people, it's just check with the people whose job it is to be a part of your career. (laughs) Like, and they'll help you. They'll tell you. They'll send you the link to all the times Nora Roberts was on a bestseller list. and you Or know, even it, just, <laughs> like, showing you the publisher's market list yeah. that shows that, like, that book sold before your book. Yeah. You know? Like, even, even something as easy as that where it's, you know, like, so many misunderstandings can just kind of, like, be taken care of. Same with, you know, nameless... Um, nameless writer who actually did delete her tweet about Beverly Jenkins checking her white privilege. Well, that's like, the thing with this stupid website is like people can just, you go on there and you say the stupid thing and everyone gets fired up about it and then you delete it and then everybody moves on and we all forget about it except for us who live for petty grievance yeah, and make a radio show out of it. But it's just, there's something that almost, it feels like a lot of the time if there's like a big picture point about this it feels a lot of the time like the publishing community and we're going to get to this you know this is going to be something we're going to talk about with our final segment today too um the thing that it feels like gets the publishing community going more than anything else is petty controversy much more honest to god much more so than like genuine success much more so than a book that people are truly fired up about Mm, what that's we, true. What we like is, and this is true of the internet writ large, but what we like is the bad take. And we're, obviously, you and I are a part of that, but, like, it's... We're part of the problem. We, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be a little, little plaque that says we're part of the problem. But, no, but I just mean, like, all of this stuff, it all it ultimately amounts to what? Nothing. But we all, you know, the, you know, in Googling this, everyone got a content cycle out of it. Everyone got... You know their, you know their retweets and their faves out of it, and like I don't mean to sound like a grandpa about the internet. Obviously, I love this kind of stuff usually as it's happening, but it's just like everyone. 
I don't know what changes it because like the incentives the of the way we're led to talk about books right now, the incentives have nothing to do with any sort of substance. They have entirely to do with engagement. And engagement is something that is generated much more easily through controversy than it is through substance. And, but here's the thing. Yeah. We much prefer for our controversy to be well founded than by like failing to do a Google that's search. What I, yeah, that's actually that's <laughs> part of it too. It's like sometimes the things we're fighting about are interesting. Or sometimes someone says something that is so bad that it's worth dissecting a little bit. But this isn't any of those things. This is just like stu- stupidity or like carelessness, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and I just, I don't know. That. But there's, there's a little, there's a, there's a fourth, there's a fourth mm-hmm. uh, scandal, which is a little bit more founded. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell the people oh. about the fourth scandal? <laughs> yes, I do. And the reason, the reason this one is, is near and dear to my heart is not because of the scandal itself, not because of the thing that happened, which is interesting in its own way and worth discussing, but what the purveyor of this scandal decided to do in the end. Like, mm. just the ultimate unfounded heat check in a, in a way that I have no choice but to respect. Um, so we're going to get into it here. So um, Pushcart Prize for Poetry, um, you know, the nominees were um, just, you know, handed out, all that kind of stuff. And one of the nominees, a woman named Ailey O'Toole, um, has been accused by first Rachel McKibbins, who's also a poet, and several other poets. I think we're up to 11 now. It Holy sounds like, cow, 11? according to this article I'm reading off a bustle article here, um, of plagiarizing. And we got, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like this person wrote this collection of poems and... Basically, a lot of the lines, and you know, with, you know, with poetry, it's yeah. So tell me about what plagiarizing poetry is like. Well, I mean, you take the um, first of all, it's less words, right? And I know that sounds like a really basic point, but when you talk about things like plagiarism and like copying, like a lot of like fair use <laughs> and stuff comes down to percentage, percentage of, the of percentage of work used. And so in poems, if you take like a verse of someone's poem like that's gonna stick out like a sore thumb and it's really hard like you really anyone who's worked in permissions you know like editorial assistants will tell you that lines of poetry are a real pain to deal with and this is same with songs yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it was kind of funny mckibbins um as she you know realized you know kind of announced that she was accusing this woman of plagiarizing on twitter yeah again a good use of the website (laughs) she tweeted out the following a poem that plagiarizes me was nominated for a push cart. I hope we win. <laughs> Which is funny. And I appreciate that yeah. um, very much. And the thing that I find to be really the best part about this whole situation is toward the end, this um not only this did this plagiarist. Not only did the plagiarist um and I, I guess we should say accused plagiarist, though I will also say She admitted. That, oh, she, she admitted, admitted now? Okay, well she admitted so, that she lifted imagery from at least yeah. Rachel's. Yeah, I mean I, we um, won't like read them, we won't do like the side by side here on the show, but I was reading through the like it She it was, plagiarized. It was plagiarism. Yeah. But um she's, you know, off she pulled her Kickstarter campaign, she deleted her account, she did all the things people do when they're notably in the wrong. But um the one thing she also did, and this is the part that I have no choice but to, I mean, I can't, I have no choice but to respect the game on this one. She got and posted about, this, she got a tattoo mm. of the plagiarized words mm. that she was claiming to be her own. Like on, on, her, on, on her forearm. On her forearm where like everybody can see. 
<laughs> Can you imagine the level, the level of confidence at the just minute by minute as you're like getting ready to do this thing, of getting someone else's words that you're claiming to be yours on your arm in like a dramatic in like that kind of type you know like a typescript font that you like want everyone to see forever honestly i can't even imagine like writing my own words on my body and like i have a ton of tattoos i am covered in tattoos and like i can't even imagine putting something i wrote on there let alone like wrote and then stole like stolen then wrote yeah i that's insane yeah so that's really good (laughs) um i mean it's it's not good it's a it's plagiarism, and it sounds like it's getting resolved. The book has been pulled from consideration. All the things that happen when these sorts of things get found man. out. But man, getting black like, if tattooed you, if you, removal. <laughs> Oof. Is that hard? Well, is she going to get it removed? I mean, she. No, I hope she but doesn't. I, I'm I just saying it's a long process. It. It's very expensive and painful. I hope she keeps it. Uh, <laughs> that's what I would do if I was her. I know you, you keep, would. You keep the tattoo. I know. And to some people, and this is what you do. With with anyone who knows the situation, you talk about how you keep it as like a mark of like remembrance shame. and shame. And it's anyone, your scarlet letter. And anyone who has no idea what you're talking about, you just go with it. It's like no, no, I just got <laughs> like it's the tattoo of the words. What would you get? So maybe the question is this: uh-huh. If you were getting some ta- something tattooed that you were lifted, if you had to get someone else's words lifted as your own, mm. what would you ta- What would you pretend was your words that you would you would put on your body? Well, um, I mean, I can go with the words I have tattooed on my body, mm-hmm. which I have a Shakespeare line from Midsummer Night's Dream, and then I have a Shakespeare line from Hamlet, and then I have um, lines from an E.L. Konigsberg mm-hmm. book, from a middle grade book. Any of those are you comfortable claiming to strangers that those are your words? Because like, I'm thinking I'm going to get like some Blink-182 lyrics like on uh, my, on my yeah. leg. Like oh man, it's just, I was just thinking, you know, I'm like in like a bar in this in this scene. Yeah. You know, I just I just asked myself one day, like like what's my age again? You know, <laughs> and I just felt I just felt the need just, to just you know <laughs> all the small things. <laughs> Is that like just getting that on like my calf or some shit? <laughs> I don't know. It's they almost a, didn't give us a. Did I tell you this? They almost didn't give us a marriage license because. Nick, like, honest to God, did not know how old he was, and he wrote the n- wrong number down. And the woman, like, doing the paperwork was like, are you sure, honey? That's so good. And, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's good, though. I'm, I'm really happy with that. Well, let's, let's, We've okay, so one. we're a few weeks out. We've this got is, one more thing. This yeah. is something that we planned on a few weeks ago. This was a big Twitter thing. It was one. Capital T, capital T. So we've T. been talking about. We've been talking about internet outrage this episode, justified and not, silly and not. And I would just say that in the in the universe of getting people riled up simply by existing in the literary world. So Jonathan. There's there's only one king. Everyone else is playing for second in this game. <laughs> and it's time to respect the king. And of course I'm talking about Jonathan Franzen, who insufferably, uniquely, in the way only he is capable of doing, um, published a piece, or I guess LitHub published a piece um, of his 10 rules for writing novels. Yeah, this was a huge deal on Twitter, you guys. Oh and I, for, for this bit that we have put off for like three weeks <laughs> doing, I did not read a single thing about this. I missed so much good content mm-hmm. just for you guys. So you better like it. 
<laughs> so tell the people what we're doing. Well, so this is what we're doing. Um, Jonathan gave us ten rules for writing novels. Uh huh. These rules mostly just made everyone angry in the way they were exactly were intended to, which and you know that that was the, the intent because LitHub then released like a day later a hey here's where the here was the best Twitter responses to the list. It's like. Everyone is just, like, creating these <laughs> awful flashpoints that we then have to, like, get another cycle out of. But anyway, he did release ten rules to writing a novel. But, Laura, we couldn't stop there. So I wrote, I sat around, and I said, I tried to inhabit my own inner Jonathan. <laughs> and I wrote ten of my own rules Oh my goodness. For, <laughs> for writing a novel. And I did my best to sound like our dear friend Mr. Franzen to here. To emulate the Jonathan. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to read a rule. Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be his. Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be mine. Oh, my goodness. And you're going to tell me if you think that the rule, who you're going to basically guess who wrote the rule. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm so ready. This is my moment. <sighs> okay. I need another drink. I know you do. Here we go. <clears throat> the reader is a friend, not an adversary, not a spectator. I feel like Jonathan doesn't like his reader, so I'm going to say that's an Eric. Mm, that's a Jonathan. Damn it, really? Yeah. <sighs> you, you're probably confused because Jonathan only likes birds. That is, and not that is correct. <laughs> and birds can't read. Yeah. Um, okay, number two. Let's see, so there's going to be 20 here. Uh-huh. When information becomes free and universally accessible, voluminous research for a novel is devalued with a Along with it. Jonathan. That's a Jonathan. Yes! That's very good. Yes! Oh, that is so dumb. Like, how many SAT words could he use there? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. I'm batting 50 right now. Yeah, here we go. Okay. If you care what your advance will be, write marketing copy instead. Eric. Oh, very good. Very good. Very good. You, You hate marketing copy. That's true. And so I'd probably write about it. You're good there. So the reason that one comes up is because Jonathan is notorious for thinking it's gauche to ever think about and talk about money with, mm. with regard to... Well, the um, birds don't talk about money. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, this is a person you know who doesn't ever have to think about such things, whose career can be entirely devoted to simply the letters... Mm. Um, no need to consider anything except like I'm what, sure yeah. he I'm sure he picked the cover for purity because it is garbage <laughs> well he definitely did yeah it's a terrible cover did we do it we did a segment on we that did way do back a segment when, right? about that. how like t- terrible it is that he had power over any of that yeah yeah that's good um okay let's see fiction that isn't an author's personal adventure into the frightening or the unknown isn't worth writing about for anything but money Oh. Oh, okay. So you just told me that Jonathan disdains money and Jonathan also disdains I'm going to say Jonathan. Yeah, that's a good Jonathan one. Good. Okay. So that one this one is was one that um You prep me I unwittingly. Did, but, but this unwittingly. one also really riled people up when we got it. Um so basically I'm trying to figure out what he's even saying here is that you can't Basically, all fiction needs to be about, you know, an author's personal story into, 
you know, some sort of exploration. Yeah. Unless you're just, uh, or, or, or you're just, or a you're writing out. a genre, you know, something you could picture him saying like genre, genre. fiction. Yeah. With um, his weird, like, turtle face. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the smartphone is an literary invention and has no place in a story meant to last. Jonathan. That's me. Damn it! <laughs> I was like, it's 50-50. That felt like a rule for him. Yeah. Um, here we go. Okay. <clears throat> I should be given a life alert button that gets used anytime I see a cat. That's an Eric. <laughs> He's like that, though. I don't know if you read... Like, mostly freedom by the end of it. Mostly devolves into him, like, complaining that cats exist. It's very good. I would like everybody to know that Eric has declared on multiple occasions that he does, in fact, like one of my cats. Yeah, no, it's a good cat. Um, that cat, you're about to get a dog, though. I am. That, yeah. Which is better than the cat, but we won't tell the cat that. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Okay, continue. You see more sitting still than chasing after. Well, he's a bird watcher, so I'm going to say Jonathan. Yeah, very good. Ooh, very good. Okay. You okay. got your so you you what? You've missed two. I missed two. Which is pretty good. I I'd say you're you're making a good effort of this. So Thank you. Can we like spend a second on what the hell that's supposed to mean either? Yeah. You see more sitting still than chasing after. Um basically he's like a really obnoxious fortune cookie <laughs> in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah, I think I think the I mean like a very charitable reading of that is that like if you just sit and let the observations happen, then you're not like, then you're not putting any of your own bias into the situation. Whereas if like you're chasing after something, you're putting your own narrative spin on it, mm-hmm. and you're affecting the action by like being like chasing something, will make something feel like it's being chased. Yeah. So like that, I actually don't hate that as a as a suggestion. Laura loves Jonathan. Put it down, fuck. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna read here, I'm gonna read you two of them. Okay. And you have to tell me which is mine and which is his. Oh my goodness. Are you ready? Okay. Write in third person, unless a really distinctive first person voice offers itself irresistibly. And <clears throat> the present tense is for slam poets and fan fiction. The American novel requires a past tense or unless or you're working in a different form. Uh, the second one is Jonathan. Wrong. <gasps> <laughs> Jonathan notoriously hates the first person. Um, he's a man who believes that all novels must be written a third. I actually, and this is going to be a little bit of a scorcher, I actually tend, I think, in most application to agree with this sentiment, mm. to be totally honest. Like, I am not a huge fan. I don't feel naturally drawn to the first person as mm. like a, like I I think in most cases I would much prefer a third. Um but I I mean I know that like with YA and like with other forms like it sort of works. Um, I don't care about third or first. I care about past tense. Mm-hmm. I don't like you don't present, like present tense. I mean like I I full disclosure represent a fair number of books <laughs> that are in present tense. However, those are the exceptions, not the rule. Mhm. Sure. Well, there you go. All right. Ready for two more? This is another pair. Oh, oh my goodness. Here we go. Okay. Okay. The semicolon is a mark used only by MFA grads because they saw their professor use it in a regional journal. (laughs) And never use the word then as a conjunction. 
we have and for this purpose. Substituting then is the lazy or tone-deaf writer's non-solution to the problem of too many ands on the page. The second one is Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's very good. Thank you. Only because I feel like once a day I tweet about the M dash in the sentence. Yeah, that's well. It was more the MFA -er. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was the regional journal specifically. Yeah, it that was what gave that it away. That particular little yeah, the bit regional of put upon snobbery just sounded like me. Yeah, You're... <laughs> yeah the regional yeah the regional. One. Okay, so to be clear, I want to make something clear about the premise of my rules here mm -hmm. that I've been coming up with. They are not meant from my perspective. They are meant as impersonations of his. So no one at me about how I said something mean about like MFAs or regional journals. I was trying to impersonate the asshole on the right over here. So. Correct. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Let's see. The most, the purely autobiographical fiction requires pure invention. Nobody ever wrote a more autobiographical novel or an autobiographical story than the metamorphosis. Jonathan. Very good. Thank you. Very good. But so this too smacks to me of just an inability to see anything as any fiction like, as really, anything Kafka? other than. Like really Kafka? You're pushing to Kafka? Well, I, I think that's yeah. like his kind of annoying snotty point. It's like this book about, you know, this guy turning into a bug is the, you know, that's the most autobiographical thing someone could write because of themes and feelings. Like, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, mm. I don't know. It's, and it just, it, to me, it kind of smacks of him being unable to see writing as anything other than, like, a projection of, you know, his own self. Which maybe, like, I guess you could maybe debate that a little bit. But I just, I don't know. It's no good to me. It's garbage. It's a garbage take, Jonathan. <laughs> Okay, I've got another pair for you. Are you ready? Oh, my goodness. Okay, the pairs are really stressful to me because I if I get it wrong, I get two wrong. That's true. Okay. No novel is what it was meant to be if it was written on Microsoft Word. And it's doubtful that anyone with an internet connection at his workplace is writing good fiction. <laughs> the second one is Jonathan. Very good. Very oh, good. okay. Because I know you love stealing company time. I do love stealing company time. Now that I, I guess now I work like largely for myself. You, you know? still love stealing company oh, yeah, time. No. Then this is actually if there's one piece of writing advice that I can give to our devout listeners, write at your jobs. Any chance you get where you're feeling idle at your at your job and you're just like sitting in your cubicle or your office or wherever it is and like your boss isn't in the room, that's your time, baby. Take it. <laughs> like just snatch it and put like you're taking like copy paper or whatever it is. Like Take the time. Like the toilet paper you steal exactly. when, like, you don't have time to go to exactly. Costco. Like, it's the thing we used to steal was the toilet paper and the office supplies. Now we're stealing writing time. This is the new thing. So get on it. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Here's one. Political protest is rude and upsets me. But I would canvas for an emperor penguin if one ran for sheriff. That's Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I would canvas for an emperor penguin. They look so regal. He did like write an essay that basically said that though. That one about Antarctica. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago, where he like basically he's like, I'm gonna like, adopt a penguin. Yeah, he was gonna like. I'll be its dad. You can never tell. It's hard to remember if he's talking about Iraqi children or penguins with regard to who he wants to adopt and who he wants to, like you know, preserve. It's very strange. He's a very strange man. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Interesting verbs are seldom interesting. Ooh, Franzen. Very good. Very good. 
That one, that one was, I just know that you don't like repeating words <laughs> in your writing. I like that this is supposed to be an exercise about Jonathan Franzen, and, and instead we're like using it as a means of like plumbing my own like weird attitudes. I see you're writing a lot. What can yeah. I say? <clears throat> okay. How many more do we have left? Um, only a few, I imagine. Okay. okay. Here we go. So two more. Okay. I'm trying to figure out which one to give you first strategically. Are they are they a pair or is it one and then the other? It's, it's they're separate. Here okay. we go. You have to love before you can be relentless. Eric? No. Damn it! Jonathan. Really? That's a Jonathan. Role. I don't believe that Jonathan I know, loves anything. The ones that feel like they belong on like an Instagram, you know, blog. Yeah. Those don't really feel like him. But wow, he's his own. He's his own little. Like I said, I mean, sometimes the fortune cookie swings toward, you know, pleasantries Damn. as opposed to just like vague rudeness. Hmm. Imagine that. Every story is in the home. If you don't show characters wiping their asses or putting their shoes on, they're they're puppets, not people. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> so So I would say you, I can't tell I mean I think 75%. You did pretty good. Yeah, I got yeah, five got, wrong. Yeah, that's pretty good. I got five wrong. Yeah. Okay. So mostly he's just got this aversion to the internet. Oh, <sighs> okay. And Yeah. I obviously have no aversion to the internet and mm. love it very dearly. Um but mostly man, the the reason this exercise felt notable to me is that we just choose like we just like our culture and our like literary discussion, like same like what we were talking about earlier. It's just so ready to just get mad about absolutely everything all the mm-hmm. time that someone can, you know, in this case, LitHub, who is a great publication, they do all kinds of good things. They can just throw this like chum in the water as like a means of just getting everybody mad in a completely disingenuous way, in a way that was self-aware when they did it in a way that we were self-aware and responding to, you know? And we all just got mad anyway because we're so reflexively used to it. Mm-hmm. It's like how you have entire, like, op-ed pages now that are just, like, geared around making you mad as opposed to actually, like actually offering being any... actually an yeah, op-ed. Yeah, yeah no, it, like, everything is just designed to get rage clicks now. And, yeah, we, you know, like, maybe there's someone... I just... Maybe the way to phrase it is this. What percentage of people, Laura, do you think clicked on Jonathan Franzen's rules for writing actually interested in what his rules for writing were? One. Yeah. (laughs) One percent. And what percent were the people who were too cool for it, who were, you know, ready to just hate on it and, like, screenshot it and, you know, talk about their own, like, do all the things that, I don't know. 99. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of (laughs) online... Mm -hmm lists and uh notes for writing yeah it's december you're goddamn right it is it's december so if you've been a listener uh for a year you will have heard of something called decembo that Mm -hmm. we do which Mm -hmm. came about by us talking about nanorimo national novel writing month um and we talked about how as agents we always get a few nano books right away like they finish them and they're like great here have them yeah uh not ever going through that that like key editing stage mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. that that key editing stage so we decided to bookmark the month of december for editing so we call it decembo you can see the posts on decembo.org because <laughs> 
It's an organization. <laughs> Low-key, the funniest part of this entire operation. That it's we December.org. Do, yeah, we, it's the .org. Yeah. So it's not just like our dumb blog about dot it. .com yeah. was taken. You're right. So we put a .org <laughs> attached to a Tumblr. <laughs> like, like actually, though. Our um, very high effort podcast. Yeah. Uh, so December, what it is, is it is mostly an online thing. It's mostly Twitter. Like if you don't want to like go to December.org, um, the real place for December was actually on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So you can go over to the loon. Uh, the Loons page at Print Run Podcast, or you can just look up hashtag Decembo. You can see all of last year's and this year. But what it is, is it's a lot of like weird internet existential memes that are poorly photoshopped. Excuse uh, me, I'm better this year. You should see the ones from last year. They're yeah, way you worse. figured out how to like cut yeah, curves. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they're poorly photoshopped, <laughs> but what what they do is they, they're accompanied by a specific piece of editing tip mm-hmm. like specific piece of editing tips yeah. right like like a like a piece of editing advice the idea is, is that each day you're going to be able to go oh okay that's interesting and then go and fix it in your manuscript and hopefully like by the end of the month um you'll either have like a list of stuff you need to do or you will have um and i you know you'll have a better manuscript so that way, when we reopen from queries on January 1st, you can send us a marginally less bad manuscript uh, to us right away. Yeah. So there you go. Decembo, all of our like best and brightest tips, pub tips, editing tips, write tips, etc. Um, will be on Decembo, but with jaunty holiday themed memes. Well, we're also so that's also why to end these the free episodes each week. um, we're just going to point you there because we are giving out every single day we're doing a different editing tip. So yeah, I know you're used to getting advice at the end of the show. I would just encourage you to go check us out there. I'll also say there's going to be a – we are going to do some um, actual podcast content this year around December. We're going to do a holiday-themed episode. We're going to have our holiday party here, you and me, in this in this room. In this podcast room. <laughs> and that should be Have hopefully, some mulled wine. It'll hopefully be on Christmas theme. Music. Yeah, it should be good. Um, that'll also be on Patreon. So um, now is a great time to join, especially if you appreciate the stuff we put out this month. So Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this, uh, our first free episode of December slash also November. If you are a Patreon subscriber uh, and are still thinking that it is November, sorry, thanks that we're late. Um, but we will see you for a regular episode next week. <laughs>